Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human. And uh, good morning. I hope you're doing well. I hope it's uh, I hope it's an easy Tuesday for you. Or Wednesday. I guess I should stop. I've been doing this the last couple of weeks. I keep like saying what day you're listening to this on, but like... People listen to these episodes on lots of different days. I'm sorry. Yeah, our Thursday gang just peace out. Like, oh, oh shit. can't listen to it on <laughs> Thursday. Oh man. Well, just to make this even more in time and place, we usually record these on Friday, but we're recording this one on a Tuesday night, which is a different thing. Um, it's kind of nice to do it, do it midweek. Um, Eric and I had a nice lengthy catch up uh, before. Good talking to you, Eric. Yeah, I'm gonna have a full week to edit this episode. Yeah, how about that? That's fun. Um, you know, we've been uh, we've been picking up some new listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, just again, if you like the show, the best way to support us just tell tell a friend, tell one friend. That's all we say. Um, um, Eric, you have a good. Usually, we talk about how our week was. You have a good week coming up. I I guess. Yeah, just normal <laughs> shit. It's still yeah, kind of well, lockdown. You're not going crazy. Yeah, I'm recording my solo EP, so that'll be done in a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, that's exciting. I, I just, can't wait. You, just, you saw I just restrung my bass, so I'm going to track bass tomorrow. Yeah, it's beautiful Ernie Ball music, man. You know, tracking bass is like the weirdest thing for me because technically I am a bass player, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Like, that's my instrument, I guess. <laughs> it's not the instrument I play the most, but it's the instrument that I, I guess I'm technically best at. I've most trained at? Of time. Yeah. Um, so I never write bass parts. I always put it off. I always procrastinate on the bass playing. Cause I'm just like, I'm, I'm good enough to figure something out. Like when the time comes and then I get to bass track and I was like, Oh, I didn't write a part. Now I have to figure this out. And I, <laughs> so you write and record it and do it all at the same time. Kind. I just procrastinate my writing until the recording session, basically. Oh, wow. That's impressive because you have a lot of, in the Hall of Phonics records, wild, intricate bass playing at times, which is called foreign ska. Lots of movement, lots of notes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of ska bass playing is formulaic, so I never really put that much time into breaking the mold on, on that kind of stuff, I guess. Uh, but these songs are not ska, so I have to figure out like interesting bass parts to play. Hopefully I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I can't wait to hear it. Um, yeah, man. It's cool. Um, you know, this is, you know, this is a fun adventure time episode. It was an ice King episode. I don't know. I, I think you said, you said it before we started, but you didn't have a lot, <laughs> a lot to say on this episode. It's, it, I, I'm already start, sorry, but we didn't play the thing. We got to discuss the episode. <laughs> This is what happens with our long preambles when we we talk a lot before the show is then we get on and we've like spent a lot of conversation energy (laughs) and it's like, let's just talk about the thing. It's yeah. I think you said I'm committing us on air now, but there, there should probably be a a bonus app of when we came on and we're all peppy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't help that this episode didn't really do much. I don't no, think. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, I'm I'm a little bit over Ice King at mm-hmm. this point. I don't yeah. know, man. You know, at least, at least like this old version of Ice King. 
Yeah. Like first half of the series, Ice King. Yeah, I think it's like an interesting episode where we're sort of meeting Ice King as he's, they're still trying to develop him and have him evolve a little bit. Um, you know, the episode starts with him trying to kidnap um, Princess Bubblegum. And then later it shows him having a platonic friendship with like a desirable female within this world. And it still feels like he's being creepy towards her though. Like he's trying to get her to break up with her boyfriend so that she can date him. I couldn't tell if he, if that was truly his angle or not. I don't know. Ice Ice King felt creepy in this episode for a lot of reasons. Yeah. He always feels, feels creepy. Um, I don't like creepy ice King. I'm sorry. You know, I, so I, I, this is what season five we're yeah. in. Yeah, it's five seasons of Ice King abducting women and being creepy. And I'm, I, I had to stop and think. I'm like, what's the joke here? Yeah, like what's 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 funny about this? Like, I'm, I'm, I, I I understand like it's absurdist. You know, it's like it's this heightened kind of thing where Ice King is being shitty towards women. But what's what's the angle on on humor? about this like that we know that he's doing a bad thing and we're supposed to laugh at him because he's so stupid and he's doing a bad thing and he's stupid because of that that's that's the humor yeah it's almost i think it is sort of like a meta sort of commentary where it's like oh in these fairy tale stories the man comes down and like tries to steal the princess or whatever you know what i mean and it's like they're they're kind of flipping it and 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 subverting it in their own ways and like by showing who Ice King is, but like they're also kind of not. They're also kind of just playing into it at times, you know. Um, yeah. So it makes me think of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Because I, I told you I just watched that whole series a little while ago. Yeah. A months ago, I guess. And like I said, we talked about you going to listen to that on air. Yeah, it's oh, it's a good show. It's funny. Uh, yeah. But it's also super racist. <laughs> Just and, playing into all the different stereotypes. Right. And, and I understand like the joke is that Larry David is, is racist because he's an idiot and he's, he's has no idea how to conduct himself. Yeah. It's in front almost of people like who aren't white. It's, it's made me, it's, it's almost like in Larry David's issue, a lot of times more of a communication issue than it is like a fen- fundamental belief issue. Yeah. But, but then, so what does it come down to? Where's the humor? Mm-hmm. Is it just that Larry David is accidentally being racist, and that's funny because, yeah, it puts, is there something more to it? Yeah, I guess it puts <laughs> I don't you, think so. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess what's entertaining about it is is it's like, oh my god, like is seeing somebody in a situation you've never actually seen but maybe thought about or pictured and like you're getting to see you're getting to see a scene play out that you would never get to see in everyday life which is someone accidentally being incredibly racist and how does someone react to that and i mean at the end of the day that's kind of what television should be right is like entertainment is like let's i want to see some shit i wouldn't see every day um yeah but he does it over and over again he does, and, and it's the hard. First, the first like five seasons of that show in particular are just Larry David is accidentally being racist, and it's funny because he didn't mean to be. Yeah, I think it's just funny seeing somebody be in that position. I think it's clear in the show that he may not be like 
fundamentally racist. Like, I don't think he believes white people are inherently better than other races of people. Like, I think he, like, walks into situations and, like, behaves racist. I mean, look, right, well, if the well, last okay, well, year... That, that's, I mean, that's, that's a... This is a, a very different discussion. Well, but, I mean, I know, the difference I know. between racial prejudice and being racist are very different. And well, this, is, this is why people get bent out of shape. It's like well, when, I, when someone's being racist, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have they, hate in their, in their heart. heart yes. And they're an evil person. It just means that they're, you know, usually ignorantly, uh, subconsciously even, participating in systems that benefit white supremacy. No, true. I, and that's so. where I was going once, when, when, when you jumped in. Like, yes, if the last year has taught us anything... You can do racist things without like fundamentally being racist. You know what I mean? Like if you're being prejudiced about being prejudiced. Yeah. No, no. If you consciously prejudiced. Yes. (laughs) So like that was a thing. Like I read the, you know, even Max Kennedy's book, uh, how to be anti-racist where he was talking about like, look, people who aren't racist, right? Like if, if you ask them questions, they would give their, can do racist things. Like you can go into the world and act racist and it like people do it all the time and part of like moving society forward is acknowledging when those things happening and educating things in those people like well look how you just acted you have a bias in you that you might not even realize or you know interrogating those different I'm, I'm totally with you yes i am i'm with you um i guess what i'm saying is it's like yeah i don't know i mean that that brings up a great point especially in light of everything that's happened because it's like okay larry david fundamentally like doesn't isn't like a nazi but he does things that are racist and that's not funny <laughs> like just you know um yeah because there's never like a deeper punchline is what it seems like i don't think there's like a lot of commentary happening in those jokes it's just oops he did something racist it was an accident everyone understands that you know the viewer understands it was an accident it was an but, accident and it's not because so he's like, a terrible person it's because he made a an error um but i don't know that might not well, age well. What's funny? Where does the humor lie? No. Like, and I think I think that a lot of the humor lies in seeing someone do something like that that we can side with because we know Larry's not a terrible person, but he did this terrible thing, and now we get to see this situation unfold. But I think like just in light of how society's moved, it's sort of like, do I want to see that? Is that entertaining? Like that used to seem entertaining because it was kind of cringy, but like I don't think that's that entertaining anymore. Right. That's exactly. The thought at. process that I yeah. had, when, yeah. like the, those early seasons of Kirby Enthusiasm, I'm just like over and over and over again. I was like, we've seen this joke before. It doesn't get funnier the more you do it. And yeah, by by like season five, I'm just like, I'm kind of over this gag. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, I, I don't know, me, me, me watching it in 2021, I was acutely aware of how unfunny some of that stuff was and you know other parts of the show are very good so it it was the contrast between between those moments which just brings me back to ice king yeah and it's like all right we see ice king being you know misogynist and creepy again like is this still just the joke that like he's he's dumb and he doesn't realize he's doing this yeah he he thinks he's left He thinks he's in a relationship with Princess Bubblegum and is calling her baby. And I mean, well, I mean, what was entertaining about it was that he's like, I was going to kidnap you, take you home. This is how the episode starts. Take you home. And then uh, 
into my house and then I'll tie you up and I'll give you breakfast in bed. And I mean, the, the most entertaining thing is Princess Bubblegum just being like, and you think I want that? Like, you think that's my desire? And like that question, Ice King cannot handle that question. He's just like, he, he, he can't compute that and give it a real response. So the, the banana guards kick him out. He seems all heartbroken. Then they, they bring him home. Like, He's like got this weird bachelor thing going on where he's like in the shower going over with like his balding hair just like man that girl I just like I can't say the right thing. He goes to to get in his bed and it's like a leopard blanket. And it's like now he's this like misunderstood bachelor type that like just needs to get out of dodge. Um I don't know. It I guess it's entertaining like just seeing them present him in that way but i was like okay and then he goes out into a boat and ends up on an island yeah you know the particulars of this episode i i I, i'm going through it it fast and then the island is a girl it's the (laughs) island is a woman and that was interesting i i thought that was in it very okay that was interesting and then the the woman island is dating party god which i like have only ever seen in passing and (laughs) <laughs> this party god character so uh, in general this episode didn't hold my attention yeah. very well just because i guess i wasn't planning on watching it today and when you said you wanted to do the, the podcast tonight yeah <laughs> and uh i was just doing a bunch of other things i was uh recording and uh cleaning up my instruments and restringing guitars and stuff and it didn't have my 100 percent attention um but party god like this yeah this character i get it confused because i think there's a character just like him on regular show yeah yeah okay we gotta go to the google (laughs) go to the google play the google song the google song go go to the google play that google song That's going in there now. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, it's a very I'm trying like I'm looking at regular show characters. It's a very regular show character to exist. Like it seems like a crossover. Like he's jarring when he's there. Like I was watching with my roommate who doesn't know and like when that guy came on, he just looked at me like, "What?" Like, right? Like I know he's kind of in the same is he like is he on the same plane near Prismo or any of that? Like do they hang out? Maybe, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't fucking kinda, know. I kind of remember like him having a party in the clouds or something. But I don't remember him being such a fucking bro. Like like an asshole boyfriend. <laughs> and that's a whole new... A whole like this new. whole episode is just like guys being shitty. And I, I just... For some reason, I just wasn't ha- having any of it today. I just wasn't interested in watching this. <laughs> I had no, I didn't want to watch this this one either, to be honest. This, this doesn't happen very often. Um, um, 
<laughs> so uh, who was the character uh, in regular show? Is it like Party Horse? Is that? I feel like oh, yeah, there's I'm also go- there's I'm another Googling, Party but Wolf I, I'm, somewhere. Th- um, here, regular show. I, I was looking him up. Um, oh, we have Party Horse. It's an episode. Oh yeah, there's a party horse. He's got fun glasses on. I'm gonna send you this photo. Oh yeah, I see party horse. Okay, you got him. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they they probably party together. They they really are the same character, I think. Like party horse comes from outer space for party. <laughs> it is a fun character, and like the way they designed party god is fun and it's like a yet again a different animation kind of style which we've talked about being jarring in a fun way yeah his uh his size in relation to ice king just varies widely throughout the episode yeah i I was really confused like how how big are you cosmic is this character i know at the end of it so at one point yeah he's huge and another point then ice king is on the back of him able to move his mouth and open his eyelids at the same time (laughs) <laughs> like it doesn't make sense um but yeah so ice king goes there and is all heartbroken and he meets the the island woman and they start to become plutonic friends he builds a hut but she's dating party god and he's like you gotta like break up and she doesn't she's too scared to do it um he goes confronts party god they get in a fight um and then party god's knocked out he tries to pretend to be party god so that they'll break up and they don't actually and then he kicks party god off into space is that correct yeah i guess i don't do they actually break up well i dude this is literally a party god is is not conscious for any of the conversations so so what does it matter (laughs) i know dude it's like it's like such an inconsequential episode that like Literally, like, listen to me. Like, I'm like, what? did that happen? Like, <laughs> I, I, as far as I can make an assumption about what this does for Ice King's character development, I, like, is it a turning point maybe where he breaks up with Princess Bubblegum at the end? Like, where he decides in his mind that he's no, is this where he's no longer pursuing her? That's a great. That's a great point. Like, that's kind of what I was like. You know thinking when we were watching it is it's like and I, I was kind of getting Apple Fours is that it's like it's developing him. He's walking away from old Ice King towards a new one where he's like having these like he's having a friendship in this episode. Whether look, I get it, like how do we trust Ice King? But like that's like something that as he goes on, right? Like remember he 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 like starts to have friends, which he doesn't have in the beginning, beyond Gunter, like He starts to have friends out in the universe and have like relationships and interactions that aren't all awful. Yeah. That season two episode, the eyes is where he kind of gets a little bit of that humanity where he's just a lonely guy. Yeah. Um, But now we're, you know, three seasons later and he's finally acting on like not being a shithead. I don't know. He's still a shithead in this episode, so. Very much so. Yeah. Although, I don't know if this means anything. I, it It's not really miscellaneous. I don't know. But 
I saw it on the internet that maybe there's something about him not wearing his crown for this episode. Oh, yeah. I was curious about that. I wanted to ask. We're just the act of him not having it on his head. He, he ties it up in his beard for safekeeping, I guess. But just not wearing his crown provides him just a little bit more insight and introspection. And he can just have a slightly more normal conversation. I don't yeah, know. That, that's a great theory. Um, it still s- seems to me like he had ulterior motives for. I don't know why I believed up him. That I really believed that they were just being friends. Cause like he, but maybe he did. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm a fool. I'm an optimist. I want to believe him. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting episode. Um, I was about to just say, do we want to declare this the least favorite episode we've watched so far, which I'm inclined to do. I mean, it's hard because there, you know, party God is entertaining. I like the, the Island woman, like my roommate, Corey, who was here was like, I like her. Like, like I, I think, um, I thought that vo- who, who voiced party, the, the Island, what's the Island's name? I think her name is just Island lady. Yeah. Uh, who's she? Vo- yeah, Island oh, it's, lady. R- it's Ricky Lindholm. Oh, there you go. That's fun. Yeah, I didn't even realize. She's she was good. I liked her. As, yeah, she is good. As that, um, yeah, this is maybe my least favorite episode that we've watched so far. I, I'm I don't not, know what what episodes have we watched that I said I didn't like. Let me go to the episode <laughs> list. Was there any tree trunks episodes that you didn't like that we watched? I don't think we've watched a real tree trunks episode yet. I know. God damn it. <laughs> I go in on the uh, Adventure Guys Twitter, and sometimes people like in Adventure Time Twitter will be like talking about their favorite episodes. And I'll, if, I'll always jump in with high strangeness. <laughs> and I, and so I've even before credited it to Nick and not Eric. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not much. Sure. Least favorite episode so far. Boom. Sound effect. Jum, jum, jum. Like that's, that's me doing a thumbs down. Play that least favorite episode so far theme song. Oh man, you're going to get a, I, It was a least favorite episode so far. I was thinking just the sound. You're going to give it a whole song. That's a, that's a, when's that going to be used again? Well, I guess it could be. There's probably, there's probably some, some ones that, that, that are worse that I'm not thinking of. Sorry. Much respect to everyone who worked on this show. Adventure Time is a truly delightful piece of art that we love and adore and appreciate like more than two grown men should appreciate a cartoon, but this episode just didn't do it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I don't even, is there, is it even worth doing miscellaneous? We haven't like fucked with the format in a while. Is it even worth doing miscellaneous mania? Nope. No miscellaneous mania. We don't need to do it. If we don't need to do it, we don't, let's not do it. Uh, did you see the snail? Yeah. 
Nick, did you see this now? No. Eric, did you see this now? Nope. I don't think either of us were watching intently enough to see the snail. I almost forgot to even do this segment of Did You See the Snail? <laughs> Maybe Tuesdays aren't great for the podcast. I don't know. Maybe it's I it's hard to tell if it's the episode or Tuesday that it's kind of late. It's a it lot kind of late. It's it's uh twelve thirty. In the morning, yeah. New York time. This is the latest we've ever recorded an Adventure Guys episode. I know it just it just snowballed that way. It's on the, it's on the Tuesday. You would think that would be a fr- real Friday move. Lucky for you, I've the last few nights been staying up late for stupid reasons, so I'm used to being awake. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go to bed soon. Dude, I, I, I beat a, a video game last night. Oh, wow. That's good. It took me so fucking long to beat this game. What and was it was game? so frustrating. Uh, Octopath Traveler. Cool. It's a, it's a, an RPG, and it, I sunk over 100 hours into this game, and the last 20 were just me trying to beat the final boss. Yeah. It's such a grueling grind. It takes like four hours to do, and I've fucked it up four times so every night the past like five nights i've been trying again and i finally beat him last night yeah well that's a fun way to spend a night (laughs) dude i support it i was up to like two playing video games last night if you if your life at this point allows it i say go all in and just fucking do it i've never done that before i've never been a video game guy and and this game is like a 90s JRPG throwback. Like it's it's in pixel art. It's it's not, you know, your typical modern first person shooter, you know, drinking Mountain Dew kind of game. <laughs> yeah. This is me having nostalgia and someone made a game for that nostalgia and it takes over 100 hours to beat <laughs> and me falling for it. <laughs> yeah. Nice, dude. What what do we got what else do we want to do? Before before we call it quits, do you want to um, pick an episode? Do we have mail? No. No mail. Did you see the mail? Gmail.com. Hit us, friends. All right. Let's pick All an right, episode. Get an episode. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? Two fifty-two. This is season eight, episode twenty-seven, Islands Part Eight: A Light Cloud. Oh, this well, is the season eight finale. Well, we did um, one of the islands before, right? Um, just recently. Yeah, the BMO episode. Yeah, that was a great one. That was one of my favorites. Oh, you know, it was just Mother's Day, and uh, this is. A mom heavy episode. Nice. We're, we're just two weeks late. <laughs> cool. I yeah. I I gave my mom her Mother's Day gift on time this year, but I'm notoriously late for that shit. <laughs> I would I would always, you know, I'd like call my mom on Mother's Day and talk to her, like actually, but I, I somehow always had like a spring tour where I would come through. New York and I would hold off on giving her a gift until like I saw her like when I happened to be playing New York like three or four weeks later yeah I'd always be late on that shit and 
I hope mom's not listening right now, but I would always procrastinate and not buy her a gift until after Mother's Day, which would make finding a card so impossible. Oh, dude, you're <laughs> really screwing yourself on that one. Can't believe you that's put my, yourself through that. That's my belated Mother's Day confession. So no one tell my mom, please. I'm pretty sure she doesn't even know what a podcast is, so she's not going to find this on her own. Perfect. I'm glad of your way to tell my mom. Perfect. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Good app, sort of. Not really, but it's okay. We moved through it. Um, have a good week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Peace out, y'all. I don't know if this is my favorite guitar by how it sounds or if I, since I've just played it more than any other guitar in my entire life, that this is just what my brain thinks guitars are supposed to sound like. You know what I'm talking about? Right. Dude, hey, are you recording? Yeah. Cool. Because <clears throat> I've been thinking about guitar tone so much the past couple days. Really? Because um, while well, I just recorded all of the uh, guitar tracks for my new EP. Oh hell yeah! Um, I just I just finished. I gotta go check. Today. I gotta go log back into Patreon and get my. I'm I'm behind on a on a update. But uh, yeah, the um, like that SG, like the double humbucker sound. I I kind of think I like it more than the Les Paul. Like the like the differences are subtle, but the carved top of the Les Paul like really warms up the tone possibly too much depending on the guitar and that bridge humbucker on a les paul like it's it sometimes gets a little bit too muddy i mean forget it with the neck pickup it's <laughs> yeah uh, but on and an sg doesn't it, really get muddy man yeah at the sg like it like the thinner body it really preserves a lot of the crispness the attack I find in the tone, just like, yeah, it's like, like the Gibson Les Paul, you know, 24 and three quarter inch scale, uh, like that style, but just like with a little bit more, you know, articulation, uh, which is what I really like about the SG style. Yeah. That's, that's basically my, my Reverend sensei is in that style. Although I find that it's, whereas a lot of SGs have a very thick neck, uh, the, the neck on my sensei is like really like fast. Like I can move up and down that fretboard a lot easier than yeah. other guitars. Well, you know, it's been really interesting to me. So that has a pretty thick neck and I, so I always loved thick necks, but the Squire Strat, dude, I got to give it up to Fender on like, cause I had, a, I got a Squire was the first I got. It was a Squire Strat with a humbucker in the bridge and, uh, and uh, this is just like a regular strap, but like they made the th the neck thin and like really thin and like kind of narrow and they didn't uh, finish the back. So it's like, it, and it's like, this is so incredibly easy to play. I'm like, yeah, like why am I like, torturing myself with big thick necks? Like I know they've kind of, I still kind of love them, but also like this neck, it's like, it's putting up no fuss and playing these chords. Yeah.
Yeah, the um so my two reverends, the uh the double agent is more of like a, a fender style, twenty-five and a half inch scale, <clears throat> bolt on neck. And then, you know, the sensei is more of a Gibson style. Um and I find that the sensei is like easier to play, like more complicated things and it's it's like a very comfortable guitar live. Um but the sound of the double agent and the bolt on neck is just a little bit more a little bit more appropriate for like the kind of parts that I'm playing in the studio. Yeah. So it's it's you know, it it's not a, a one to one like because I'm playing the same parts, you know, live recorded, but I'm using a different guitar live and recorded. So it's a little bit weird. Um, like I don't have like a guitar that I use for this thing and a guitar that I use for that thing. Like musically, it's just a performance guitar and a recording guitar is more yeah. what it's shaking out to be, which, which it wouldn't be how I thought I would be approaching like guitar tones and, and that kind of thing. And having a, having a guitar collection. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've been like super focused on on the stuff the last few days, um, and I did re-listen to Gemini, Her Majesty today. Yeah, because I listened to the the interview, um, and damn, that album has amazing guitar tone. Really great, like such good guitar tone. Um, I have thoughts on the album, and I, so I was listening to it today, and I was like, you know what, I needed some time because. I love I love it. The guitar tones are great on especially just um Ruby Cumulus. Like there's like a such a wealth of different guitar tones. Yeah, there's so many different things that happen on that. Dude, like the guitar tone on the resignation sucks. Yeah. It, it's really it's not good. And like their their tone the, definitely got the, better. The crazy as, thing is that the same guy who recorded the resignation recorded Mandala. Which is they sound so far apart, which I guess would probably just show like how taste change, but also probably how much the band had to to do with shaping how the record yeah. sounds. Yeah. Well, there, the thing is, like, it, it might not be that the guitar tone on Resignation sucks. It's just that the guitar parts are way more rooted in like power chord kind of punk. And there's not a lot of power chord playing. Dude, there's on like Gemini. There's almost zero. <clears throat> Yeah, like so, it's, like it's you can turn down chords. the gain and like really hear like all the notes in a chord, and because oh, that's uh, how it, that's how it should be. I, on um on Steve Choi's podcast, he's talked about not so long ago a big. This is this is gonna. Be, I'm so excited to say this because you're one of the only people who would find this because I just loved this sentence where he said like a big thing that happened in the at, for them as a band is when they like stopped using distortion and started using overdrive <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. was like if they play light then it you hear more but if you dig in it like break the signal breaks up and like they were almost like it was almost like part of their mission statement as they grew as a band like we don't really use distortion anymore we only use overdrive um which makes sense like like on like uh on like and the battle begun like that's not there's not it's overdriven guitar it's not a distorted mesa yeah. rectifier and also, like, they started using different guitars, I think, too. Like, around Gemini, weren't they using, like, Jazz Masters with, like, those Choi does fucking soapbox pickups? Choi uses... Pickups? Yeah. I just watched the uh, the audio tree, and he uses it. And uh, Embry was still using, like, his trusty LP, like, his uh, 
his um yeah the ball. red lp jr yeah um but man which like, sounds great too and i was watching that i was like man matt Embry's tone is so great and i think like it's an old thing but i'm like it's like in that guy's fingers like it like, really is like i'm like dude i could play that same guitar and it will not sound like that like there's so much personality in both of their guitar but especially in Embry when he's playing those i was just like holy shit this could not like it this literally could not be anybody else i know this is this is where i waste so much time like as a producer it's just like people don't believe me when i say like you know you could try eight different guitars with you know five different amp combinations or you could like take that two hours of fucking around with gear and really practice the part the way you want it to sound yeah, <laughs> and then and you could just play it that way <laughs> dude and it was even humbling because i've been practicing guitar a lot but i was also like dude like you can tell in his playing it's not just like oh i played the notes right it's like no how should they be played how should it be phrased like where am i putting the accents and digging into what notes you know what i mean um yeah like that's like real like nitty gritty guitar playing, which like a lot of the guitar playing I've been doing immediately has just been like full on playing and oh yeah, cool, I've got the parts. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, I was just re listening to it and I was like, I am re way impressed by their musicianship. Like, um And speaking I don't know. of strats, like all the videos on his Instagram that Matt Embry's been posting recently, oh, yeah. he's playing a strat. I was like, what the fuck? How did this happen? What what transpired to make you switch to a strat? But it sounds of, great. Of course, it still sounds amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dude, this Instagram, I'm like, he's even better than I thought he, like, or he's as good as I thought he was. <laughs> and you know what's so great about him? Okay, this is, I um, I wanted to say about Chris DeMakes is that when you listen to someone on a podcast, really is like I want to know about a person and what you hope is is that they reveal new layers or sides about themselves like I think Matt Embry is a great example of a person like that even though you know he's like a total space cadet like he starts talking and then all of a sudden he's like going off about Jimi Hendrix or he's talking about Kurt Vonnegut and like really deep about or like you know politics or like and like the more you listen to them talk, like the more you're interested in like, oh, wow, they're into this, too. Oh, wait, they know all about this subgenre of music. That's so cool. So I mean, hearing Matt Embry actually talk about it, I liked it a lot more than I like, like hearing like the reasons behind the song. I'm like, oh, he's he like is writing about like something real, because I think my biggest criticism of the album when it came out. Uh, so we came out 2014. The Holophonics were on tour. We were on tour all fucking summer. We like it was like 10 weeks that tour. And Willie and I were the real big uh, RX Bandits fans in the band at that point. And you know we we listened to that album like in the van, and we were like, you know, this is good. We like this is obviously better than 99% of other music that's you know happening right now, but we like our biggest criticism at the time was that it felt a little bit phoned in. Yeah. And well, I like, I do, yeah, sorry. I didn't, I felt the same way. You know what? Yeah. I, you know why I kind of, I was listening to it today and I was like, you know why I think I found, thought that at first. Cause I was like, this is the first RX album that was like RX doing RX. Oh, we're giving you more RX. Like every album up to this point, 
each new album uncovered something totally new and different and was like, whoa, they can do that? And they can do that? Like like when Mandala came out, like I felt that about so many of the songs where I was like, what? They're doing that now? You know what I mean? Where it's like the, the yeah. thing literally opens in like with this riff in Dorian, like the Dorian mode. And I was like, I don't think they've ever done that. Like <laughs> there's that raise six right in that first. I'm like, cool. Already we're in new territory. Like that's why I love this band. And this is the first, that's what I thought. I was like, cool. It's just them doing more of what they do, which is, I was like, ah, oh, I wanted, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was the first album that really didn't have any vestiges of Scott or reggae. So, no. so there was that, which, you know, we had made peace with, you know, officially, but like, well, it was still a little bit of a bummer to well, like a know. few, a few things I wanted to bring up on that point was that there is the little, like the, uh, 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 that part. It's like, he's like doing like a, a reggae sort of rock and wide open. That second song is like kind of a reggae rock song. It's like, it's so far on the edge of that spectrum. It's just like, you have to filter it through like the police's entire catalog first. Yeah. And like, you know? it is a total police song. Um, but what's interesting. So I was like, Oh, it's cool. Ruby Cumulus is doing so well on streaming. Did you see that Ruby Cumulus is the one RX bandit song on the Spotify essential ska playlist? No. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like that there's fucking playlist. I wish they would put a holophonic song on there. Dude. Oh no. Sorry. Apparition and Ruby Cumulus. I was on the Apparition's a great song. It is, but I was always just like, why is Ruby Cumulus on the essential scalp? I'm like, it's cool. That's cool that's on there. Like, maybe this will send someone down a new a new path, but like very interesting. I know they, they need a holophonic song. I've there. always wanted to do like a like a trad, like early ska cover of Apparition. Oh uh, yeah. It's on my list. But yeah. um Yeah, I the the thing about Gemini or Majesty was like, I think the the lyrics seemed a little just like free associative, just like the song titles were so goofy. I I, I hated that too. And yeah, I think great our point. First, I our, still hate it. I like, still the meow meow space tiger. Not, right, like <laughs> I don't want to listen to that song. <laughs> I th- I think our our instinct was just like. And and the album ending with just counting the time signatures like a Philip Glass fucking thing, I was like, you couldn't write lyrics for this, and like the the lyrics seem just like so random, like Penguin Marlon Brando, and just like it just seemed like they were he was just like fucking like not trying, yeah. And hearing him actually give an interview about like what the song was really about, I was like, oh well, shit. <laughs> yeah like seven years later like i didn't know like you actually cared about this i guess like <laughs> <laughs> and you know and listening to the whole album again today through that lens i was like yeah this is a lot more serious of an album than i gave it credit for um, yeah and i i never disliked it but it was just i don't think i ever gave it its fair shake you know, yeah i was like this is clearly a notch below the three that came before it in my mind i thought um but dude i mean that the i list i had on vinyl and i was like the first three sides the intro ruby cumulus wide open stargazer i was like this is fucking great and like i don't know i've been listening to a lot of different music and 
that in the Mars Volta box set is like, I don't know, this is like, this was like my favorite music. And I've just been uh, listening to a lot of different music that is not like this and coming back to it. And, you know, I, it makes me feel weird because I'm like, am I just turning into a nostalgic person? But I was like, I don't know. There's still something really great and inventive about this um, and giving me some confidence in the music I want to make where I was like, yeah, this is cool, um, which is cool. Well, dude, also, did we didn't talk about how they Matt Embry like agreed with what we said on one of the podcasts where he was like, Chris, Chris was like, that's like a five year gap between records. Like that's a lot. Yes. And he was like, yeah. Oh, we broke up, which was just completely premature. We never should have broken up. We yeah. He just like, an overreaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just taken a, a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, that was uh hugely validating to, <laughs> to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that great? <laughs> I loved, I loved that. Um, it's cool. It's cool to hear that they're going to like play a bunch of shows. They're working on music. There's going to be a, a Matt Embry soul record and then a Sound of Animals fighting. Yeah. He just My dropped show. it. All, he was working on all this stuff. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Dude, he's such a, I don't know. All of it, though, was I was really just like, God, this. He's so good. And Seagak, too. The other part of the thing I didn't like on when the record came out in the recording was like the symbol this is sounds stupid, but the symbol sound on it was like there's no maybe sean brought it up there's no sustain on the symbols it's just attack and then it dies out like i think it's just different from the other previous albums because like especially in the battle begun the drum sound is fucking like wet like it's so yeah. roomy and it's so up front it's like overtakes everything else on the album like i think at that point there was just like fuck the horn section let's make the drums louder yeah (laughs) but on it like jason cup produced it and i think it's the best sounding album by far like the drums are so perfect like they like i love the drum tone because it's like it's dynamic enough but it's still like very like clean and produced well i i yeah i hear you i just prefer and the battle begun and mandala with like it's wetter it's bigger it's roomier that you could hear the the like yeah it sounds like there's way more room mic in 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 the drum tone i don't know also i'm just like a guy who i think you're right like this is technically a better recorded record but i just <laughs> love the vibe that's that's taking place on in the battle begun because it's so thick like dude listening to the album you just put it on it just feels like you're in a room full of smoke like you know what i mean like it literally sounds like you're firing up a joint and you're getting and it's like 11 o'clock at night and you're in fucking long beach or wherever they're from like it really feels like you're entering that world and i love that (laughs) yeah it made me want to go check out that nurse's album that he was talking about yeah i i do want to hear that um because i i remember that being like a, a band that they were just repping hard all yeah. the time but i never like a, checked them out it was like a sergeant house band um, yeah and i know i mean like the good old war stuff that jason cut produced is fucking great yeah and he did the um the maps and atlases album the perch patchwork like basically they're oh it's so sad that uh i just loved that band so much after seeing them open for rx in portugal um <clears throat> and the the EPs the two EPs but then Perch Patchwork is the album and he produced it, dude it is fucking cool you know it now that I've grown up a little bit and heard more music like, it kind of sounds kind of like what Vampire Weekend was doing but just <laughs> with like 
a lot more like twists and turns whereas vampire weekend would would be kind of simple it's like oh they took that sonic palette and then just like added so much more shit in like but it's a cool i loved that album so much yeah perch patchwork always makes an appearance in the van on a holophonics tour oh really yeah and i'm never the one who puts it on wow <laughs> i mean i love that album Dude. but like I, either will or harold puts it on like every time yeah you know it's so cool i think i think what kept me coming back to it is just like every song on it is different you know what i mean whereas yeah it's like it's like a real kind of a journey record where it's like n- no song repeats it's not like they have a, they, this type of song that they do a couple times um <clears throat> yeah it's a good one 